Good afternoon. Hey, you got it. You, you got did, it. You got it. That was not that was not half bad. <laughs> Welcome to Honey Old Hangout, where we hang out, drink whiskey, and talk about fishing. Not always whiskey. Not always whiskey, but most of the time. Most of the time. Today we have myself Landon. We have Zach. Hello. And we have our guest Cassio. Howdy. And unfortunately, we're missing Gabe. He had to take one for the team and work. He did. So we, uh, you know, we'll pour one out for Gabe. And he's missing out because last time we had Cassio on, I missed out because I listened yeah. to that episode and I was like, oh, yeah. gosh. You did miss out. You just kind of dropped me off fun. with these dudes. Yeah, yeah, we finished a whole bottle of Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> was that the episode? That was Gabe's bottle that we weren't supposed to finish. Oh, maybe it's good that he's yeah, not I here. Yeah, that. Yeah. What episode? Do you know what episode number your last one was? Just to I, reference our I, listeners. I don't. I do know it was almost exactly a year. Yeah, ago. it was yeah. June of last year, yeah, right? Almost exactly. So subtract about like fifty-ish episodes, and you'll find Cassio's yeah, name pop like, up. Hey, 40, 46. Yeah, yeah, it's around there. Mm-hmm. Around there, around forty-six, yeah. give or take. Yeah, but exactly a year ago because we were just talking about you know kind of transitioning and yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you were like you just finished up your last year. Yeah, you're transitioning, and I had finished up my first year. Yeah. Yeah, a year ago, uh, last May was my last year that I was a school teacher. Um, you know, I was like part-time guiding, you know, through that. It kind of really worked out, honestly, because, you know, as a school teacher, I pretty much, at least for Texas, had like the best times off. You know, I was off during Thanksgiving, which is usually when they stock trout. I was yeah. off during like Christmas break for two weeks. I can like get in a lot Take of trips, trips during Christmas break, spring break. And then I was off during the summer and did a bunch of bass trips, you yeah. know. Um, I think the last school year teaching i worked 87 trips that school year part-time still like from like august to may no no so like all so those have been all of last year okay so including the summer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so i still was teaching so i, was, I guess i was part-time half the year last year yeah, and yeah. i still knocked out like 87 trips dang yeah. how many do you think you've done the last year like year to date uh right now i think i'm at like 60 or 70 trips nice um you know, so as a school teacher, uh, so it was, I used to work 185 days a year. And you know 185 because they drained it. They Dude, drill I, it into yeah, I knew it was 185. That. Well, my big thing is when I became an administrator, it was more than 185 <laughs> and you felt it. Like, I was like, damn. <laughs> so my goal is to feel like a productive member of society. I'm trying to work, you know, about that same 185 days. Yeah, 185 exactly. days. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's the, yeah, productive. That's a pretty good. Exactly. Yeah. That's a glorified babysitter, as some people would say. Yeah, you sure. Know. So. But, you know, it doesn't feel like a day of work because you enjoy your job. You yeah. Know? So it's been pretty good, you know, so. Zach, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, so I made some old fashions, but I We're used... on this little kick of not doing straight drinks no, we've been we, over this last week it's the summer of mixing that's right the summer of mixing that's right we have a name for it i can't do straight drinks when it gets hot so this is great oh yeah you know what that's true mixed drinks like summer of, maybe we should do summer of mixing every summer because yeah. that's a great point. yeah i mean i like i, I love scotch I love bourbon but it's gotta be cold for me yeah like i like i like it when it's cold yeah this feels right so this is great now yeah so we are making uh, i made an old-fashioned with that desert door satoll yeah and uh, specifically the bourbon barrel-aged one. Now, if you notice, uh, Cassio and I's, our drinks have changed for this one. Um, we are no longer doing the bourbon or the Satoll that was aged in the Garrison Brother bourbon barrels. Now, these are just oak barrel-aged. Okay. So, the one we had before, the one you still have, is a limited edition release. And this one's Ooh. a little different. So, if you taste anything different, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Like, I, I've... Uh, it's fantastic. It yeah. is, honestly... I it's great uh straight 
I think that's like my new thing, my new jam. Yeah. I bought a new bottle of it because it's so good. But making it with the old fashioned, it is. It's like I don't know, even know how to describe it. It's like earthy, but there's like the citrusy, way, and obviously having like the orange peel kind of yeah. Accentuates how do you that. make an old fashioned, Zach? So old fashioned. I learned this from going to 1919. I used to only put like two dashes of bitters. You need like four to five dashes. It's just like a it's splash. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, you yeah. know. So four to five dashes of bitters. I used to use a sugar cube, but it never quite dissolved the way I wanted mm. to. So yeah, simple. sugar cube is not the way so to go. So simple syrup. Yep. Uh, I, do, <laughs> I do half a shot of simple syrup. I don't mm-hmm. know the actual ounce. Uh, but I guess what? Uh, shot glass is one and a half ounces. Mm. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, and then <laughs> two shots of Sotol, or Sotol, yeah, Sotol, in every drink uh, with a orange peel. Yeah. And I appreciate or an orange twist. I hate when they put cherries in my old-fashioned. I usually don't. Uh, yeah, I mean. I don't like it. Mm. Never been a fan. Take it or leave it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Traditionally, you don't need one. Like yeah. In the original recipe, there's no cherry. People have added them over time. Yeah. And I've always um, been a huge old-fashioned fan. That's like kind of my go-to. Me you know, too. I think you know, really early on when someone's like, this is what you should be drinking. You know? And I was like, this feels good. Yeah. You know? I've always been a big fan. I think it's a great way to like break that liquor down and like, you, know, you get a lot of, you get a lot of notes out of them and everything else. It's a little sweet. For sure. I love it. This is great. Um, I think Desidora makes awesome stuff, man. I, I want to go to their distillery this summer. Like, dude, it's... A, where is it at? Driftwood. Driftwood. Mm. Or outside of Driftwood, yeah. yeah. Um, what's really cool is if you plan the day around it, uh, me and my wife have done this a couple of times, um, there's like a little loop. So you pretty much kind of leave here from San Antonio. You would you go up 35 and you kind of exit around San Marcos towards Wimberley. Mm-hmm. So there's like a little loop of like five or six breweries... And then Desert Door is kind of within that loop. Yeah. So you can hit Desert Door too. Um, so we like going to Vista Brewery. Uh, we go to Rough House Brewery. There's like a couple other ones out there that are really Middleton. Middleton Brewery is okay. really good too. Um, and they're all kind of different. So you kind of pick and choose like kind of what beers you like. Um, almost all of them have some kind of food. And then uh, Desert Door has a really awesome food truck recently that's been in front of it, which is a collab with uh, – the chef from Do Die or Die Do. Die Do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesse, Jesse Griffith. Griffith. Yeah, it's, it's a collaboration with him and uh, uh, Josh Crumpton that owns uh, Spoke Hollow. Okay. And I could be wrong. And if Josh is listening, you can correct me later. But I know Josh is involved with it. I think Jesse's also involved in it because it's like Wild Game, a Wild Game food truck. Oh, that's And cool. I think it's parked in front of Desert Door right now. Ooh, we nice. need to make a trip to Desert yeah. Door. Then. Well, let's do it this and Saturday. And if that's not true... Y'all should still look it up where those two places are individually because they're both worth a visit. Mm. Yeah. The food truck and Desert Door. Have you been to Daidue? I went there and I was really excited because what I really, really wanted was to pay for an overpriced fried sunfish. Uh huh. That was my goal because they were selling that for a while, like whole fried sunfish. Yeah, yeah but and, it's a rotating menu. And it changed. When I got there, I didn't have it. Yeah. Um, but I went there. I thought the food was awesome. Yeah. Um, I think Jesse, a lot of the things he's doing is really, really cool. I think the idea of like teaching people about like how to process local food, I think that's awesome. I think his hog book is like. That's awesome. Really I have, have it. Do you have it's it? It's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't mean to get it, but so, it was sold out for a while. I'm all about it. I think just the idea of like serving sunfish, you know, like I tell my clients all the time about like, I was like, that's great table fare, you yeah. know, like you can fry them whole, like they're great fish. It's called panfish for they're, a reason. Yeah, there are plenty of them. Your ponds have them. 
Um, and Jesse actually got the license to where he can catch them himself and sell them to the restaurant. Really? Yeah. So he's like, whatever that entails. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny because like, I always think to myself, like, man, you know, I think he, I, I'm not sure what he was selling them for, but I was like, that's a pretty good profit there if you just catch your own sunfish. If you're sunfish, catching you know, your own sunfish, sell them to your You know, and yeah. sell them downtown Austin for like 16, 18 bucks. <laughs> it might be even more, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I do. I buy it though. But I just love whole fried fish. I grew up on like, um, fish being like whole like mm-hmm. i'd like the whole fish but there fillet. wasn't this filleting it out no nah, dude know. whole fish like in yeah. brazil i i grew up where like whole fish head on everything just gutted usually stuffed with a few things lemon on top and then and then it wasn't like battered it was like fried in oil but like right, you just drop the fish yeah in oil in an oil pan and that's it and it gets served with like rice and beans and stuff yeah um, that sounds good. It's great, man. Plus, like, you don't waste anything. You know, yeah. you fillet a fish, and I, I think I can fillet a redfish pretty good, but you still waste a lot of it. Yeah. Um, where if I like keep it whole and I cook the whole thing, then you get the collar out of it. My dad's always the, been. What was it? The cheeks are really cheeks. Big. Yeah. My dad loves fish eyes. Really? So yeah. Do you like them? My dad likes them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I let, you know, I, I've tried to be a good son. I've always let him have it. Um, <laughs> it's very honorable. Very noble. But yeah, yeah man. Very I, noble. I just like unique stuff. And I, you know, I think this desert door is like right there, you know, for people that don't know it, it's like, it's so tall, you know, which grows all around Texas, you know, and I think most of the so tall from desert door gets harvested from the ranch of the owner. Yeah. And it's all wild. Like it's, it's all just wild. Yeah. 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 The, they did the collab with Spoke Hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh, actually, I walked around the property with Josh and he was showing me where it was all growing and stuff like that. And I spoke all this, a lot of cool stuff. And, um, but it's just cool. It's just got the very local thing and it's very unique. I mean, I can't think of any other way to get so tall unless you go to Mexico and yeah, I mean, for I, sale. I think that's why I love it. Cause it's made, you know, 40 minutes away, but yeah. also it's just, I don't know, especially the, the barrel aged stuff. Yeah. It's like it wants to be a bourbon. It wants to be For a sure. tequila, but it's also its own little unique thing. It's got yeah. that mezcal smoke. Yeah. For no, for yeah, for anyone that's never had this, I mean, it's it's very mezcal esque. Yeah. Know, it's not smoke. quite as smoky though. It's in like, between. It's in the yeah, middle. I it's, think so. Yeah. It's sweet yeah. like a kind of like a bourbon. It's kind of got some earthiness, some citrusness, uh, or some citrus flavor, but also like there is that smoke, you For know, because sure. they smoke that uh, the actual like pulp or the actual like root. Yeah. Of they, it. They, yeah. Yeah. They put the. Yeah, if you ever get to go there, it's awesome. They have this huge, like, giant oven, and then they have these, like, like almost like those train-looking or, like, a little mining cart-looking things, and they would, like, it's all metal with a bunch of holes in it, and they just fill it up with, like, the bottom of the Soltal plants, and then that gets wheeled in, and then all gets smoked, and then it gets, like, juice and everything. It's a really cool process. Um but I'm all about it, man. I think, like, anything that's kind of uniquely Texas, I think, you know, it's always kind of cool. And, like, you're not going to get this really anywhere else, no. you know. So, um, and I think anyone out there that, like, likes tequila but thinks mezcal is too smoky, this might be a really good, like, middle of the road. Yeah, especially, like, the regular one. And then if you like bourbon as well, the the barrel-aged one yeah. with it, it just... I don't know. Okay. I, yeah. Cool, cool-looking cool bottle. Makes it a is. great gift. And yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's not too... I mean, like... Think actually, I think that one's only like forty six bucks. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's so. a good price point. Yeah, um, the guy who uh, runs them, he was saying um, his biggest, I think one of the ways that they were selling them most is that um, it was like 
margarita machines or something. They're doing like so tall frozen drinks and stuff. Really? And he was talking a lot of like bars into like start serving it that way. And, and I bet it, yeah, I bet a margarita with this. Ooh. I bet it'd be really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like, we have a drink for next week. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a spite, like with like jalapeno slices Ooh, or something. Cause yeah. like the smokiness and like, dude, that'd be really, yeah. really good. Or like a prickly pear one. Yeah. yeah. That's great, man. How was your guys' Memorial Day weekend? It was great. Zach, what'd you do? Uh, so I started bouldering again. I used to boulder and climb a lot in high school. Ooh. Or not high school, in college. And um, so I joined the gym here. They have a pretty good deal for the summer months. And Ar- Ar- Armadillo? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I hit that like three times this weekend. How so much is it? Like 88 bucks for 60 days. And yeah. then normally it's 70, like it's like 75 bucks a month. I might have to. I would maybe be interested in doing. Come that. with me. I get a free pass. Yeah, I'm down for your first time, and then uh, and you can decide because I'm I'm loving it right now. I I don't know. It's like it's air conditioned, so it's nice, and mm-hmm. you, they're open to like ten o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, Where's so it at? It's downtown, mm-hmm. or you know where the Pearl is? Yeah, it's right near the Pearl. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been? Uh, I haven't. So I, I was a. Uh, I, I helped open the Lifetime Fitness on 281604. Okay. Which at that point became the only climbing gym. Uh, yeah, in, outside in, of like UTSA, I yeah, think. Yeah, in San Antonio. Um, so I was a rock climbing instructor there. So When? What years? So this would have been from like 2006 through 2011 or 12 or something I bet like you were that. The, I bet you were there when I was climbing there a lot. Yeah, dude. I was the rock wall supervisor. Yeah, dude. so like my – because like my freshman year and sophomore year of high school was 2007, 2008. Yeah. No, 2006, 2007. And that – and I was climbing there like yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. Dude, I was there, man. We had, I bunch, you were, we had a bunch funny. of gym rats and stuff that used to climb all the time. We still have like a, a climbing team. We used to go to like Chin, Chin Rock and yeah. like take the kids climbing there. That's what I was doing before I was fishing. So, like, the whole transition of me, like, fly fishing a lot was I was, I was climbing, like, really hard. And then I hurt my back and I had back surgery. And then that Sorry. transitioned me to, like, I still want to go do things outdoors. Yeah. And I've never been a, a hiker just to hike. You, you have, like, have like I need a, a reason to, like, yeah. I need to go there for something. And yeah. it was always, at first, it was bouldering. Yeah. And then it became fly fishing where I can, like, still go to Colorado, still go to these places. And then I have a reason to, like pursue something there um and it's funny because like uh you know bonner that i work with with all all water guides like we literally both came from rock climbing we all know the same people and you know like and bonner's been fly fishing a lot longer and things like that but it was really funny like realizing that like same thing like we were in the same circle so like me and bonner probably hung out a lot or like saw each other at rock climbing but you don't really know yeah yeah, yeah. here we are like working together and like fly (laughs) fishing um i feel like rock climbing and fly fishing has a lot of overlap too yeah, for sure. I think it's very similar. People, people. want to be outside, and uh, they, they like problem solving. They I like was, to be challenged. That's what I'm saying. And, and fly fishing is that thing where it's like, whenever I'm fishing, I'm not thinking about. Like, I could have the most stressful day, the most stuff on my mind, but if yeah. I go fly fishing, it's not there. For sure. Same thing with climbing. Yeah. Like the second you get on that wall, yeah. you stop thinking about anything yeah, yeah, but yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you're in Channel Rock, like topping out at like 12 feet up in the air. You're yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> like, no, no, no. But I climbed a lot, man. I, I can still climb, you know, but um, with, like, the, the back injuries that I had, I, I, I got to have to, like, avoid, like, taking some falls and things like that. Yeah. So I kind of just, like, went away from it. 
Oh, another. You should come out. Join me. I'd love to, man. Yeah. It's, and honestly, like, I haven't climbed in t- 10 years. Yeah. I still got so, shoes. I still got shoes. I yeah. Got harness. You know? I'm just kind of like retraining my muscles and kind of remembering everything. You know, I'm starting at the base level again. I'd love to, man. I'm in the best, better shape now that I've been in a long time. I see, so. I got that COVID 15 going for me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm starting up there and going down. Dude, I lost uh, almost 30 pounds when I stopped teaching. Really? Yeah. Like right away, too. Yeah. And dude, like you, you walk in every day, there's tacos, there's donuts. Stay, hey, stay after, there's pizza. You know, like everything was like, there's always this food. What campus are you at? We don't get those. We get those. Ah, like, teacher appreciation. We oh, man. That's like, dude, at the campus I was at, like, <laughs> there was like it was a lot of bribing going on <laughs> for people to stay there. But um, yeah, it was always something. And it was on the south side. So if I didn't pack a lunch and I had to like run somewhere to get food, it was only fast food. I, I oh. water burger so often that the girl would hear my voice and she would be like, oh, you know, like, do you want the avocado bacon burger on a regular bun toasted? I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, okay, Mr. Silva, sure. <laughs> and like, my students work there, so they knew so me. They knew you. And they're like, oh, I got your free Sunday or a free uh, milkshake. And I'm like, I don't need it. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, <laughs> one year, my basketball team, um, we lost a game or two, and then we won a game. And the kids were like, sir, what'd you, what'd you eat for lunch? And I was like, of all things, right, I had a patty melt. Uh-huh. Patty melt, right? <laughs> and the kid's like, well, sir, you got to keep eating a patty melt every game. Dude. Uh-huh. That that season, did you really, dude? We <laughs> had the best season, so and I was like, I just, I just got to keep eating the damn patty <laughs> melt. But dude, I ate. It's basketball. There's like two, three games a week. Yeah, dude, I was eating like a patty melt two, three times a week. Oh, <laughs> like I felt so horrible <laughs> by the end of that season. <laughs> like my boys were in great shape, dude. I was like falling apart towards the end. I was just like, you know, I'm not even enjoying. I just like meat sweat. Doing this for the team. Yeah. <laughs> And they would ask me, they're like, sir, do you have a patty melt? I was like, yes, I ate it, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I lost like 25, 30 pounds, dude, like when I stopped teaching. Um, so I would love to get back into climbing. I think like my body is like able to handle it I, a lot Armadillo is a great gym. I'm really, really – I've only been doing it for like a week now. Yeah, I've heard I'm, awesome things about it. It's it's so cool. And plus, it's just, you you know, you feel comfortable going there by yourself yeah. and, and just hanging out. Another thing, too, a lot of people don't realize, and I think it's one of those things, same thing with fly fishing. I think a lot of people would look at Texas and they go, oh, there's not a lot of fly fishing here. Um, same thing with rock climbing. I think like people don't think there is, but you know, I mean, we have some awesome rock climbing opportunities, you know, from Enchanted Rock, which has like multi-pitch, yeah. you know, where if you don't know what multi-pitch is, it's like literally where like, you know, you have a hundred foot, you know, whatever long rope and like the cliff is taller than that. So you have to like climb to a certain point and then the person from the bottom climbs up and then you climb again. So it's like a ladder kind of setup. So you can do that in Enchanted Rock, which is like really great training yeah. for big wall stuff in Yosemite or whatever. Um, there's Rymer's Ranch, which is awesome. There's the whole green belt in Austin. Well, I don't know if Rymer's Ranch is still open. No, it is. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a park now. Oh, okay, because I yeah. know there was an issue with the owner there for a while. So, uh, yeah, Rymer's Ranch stopped letting people climb. This is yeah. years ago. Yeah, they stopped yeah. letting people climb. I think someone got hurt or something. Yeah, um, they, they were, like, trashing it and stuff yeah, like that, Yeah, and too. then the owner, the family donated it to, the, to Travis County. So now it's a Travis County park. Cool. Okay, well, I did not again, know that. I could be wrong. Nice. But now it's a Travis County. And actually, you can camp there. There's like uh, mountain bike trails. Like yeah. it's a really nice park now. It's, cool. You can white bass fish there. You can white bass fish there. Yeah. And actually, yeah. I had gone there with a friend because of old buddy of mine that I used to climb all the time. He's like, "Hey man, let's go. We'll climb some easy stuff." And so actually, I went with him. I brought a fly rod. I caught some sunfish on the river. You know, so Rymer's Ranch. There's a green belt in Austin. So yeah, rock climbing opportunities, man. You got a lot of them in Texas. Oh yeah. You know, and I think like, you know, it's the same thing, getting outside, problem solving, being in tune with nature, you know, and like 
nerding out about like different types of rocks and yeah. stuff like that. I yeah. think it's fun. Yeah. And um, it's also very, uh, very creative thing. You know, I think just like fly fishing is a lot of problem solving. Yeah. Not every, you know, I always tell people like, no one should cast the same. No one should do, you know, like you figure out what kind figure of work, out what works, yeah, for, works you. for you and works for your rhythm, whatever, you know, um, same thing with rock climbing. There's a lot of freedom in that. You yeah. Know? So I think there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Sure. Can, everybody can solve a problem completely yeah. differently. Sport. But I did that and I also went fishing as well. Did you uh, catch some fish? I caught, yeah, probably like 12 or 15 panfish. I hooked in a nice bass, but it was an LDR. So mm-hmm. I'll take it though. Where'd yeah. you uh, go? Like a uh, upper quad. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. It's just it's 20 minutes from my place. and Dude, I, I wish it was flowing more because, honestly, if I can if I can run a trip on the upper Guad, a flow trip, um, it's like 30 minutes from my house. Yeah. It's, it's just it's yeah. so nice. And, and it's so pretty. I mean, I just love the upper and Guad. I think being from San Antonio, that's a, that's a, an area where I can say, like, that's close to San Antonio. Like, that's not like. No, the upper Guad, it feels a San Antonio place, not in Austin. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Whereas, like, if you go to, like, Colorado, the Colorado River, or even the San, San Marcos, Marcos. Yeah, yeah. If it, it is, like, more of an Austin Yeah, I place. feel like I'm driving into, like, this other place where, like, I, I, like, I kind of grew up, like, going to the upper Guad and going yeah, camping like up there. Bernie, like, yeah, like, Kerrville, that well, whole area. I was in Boy Scouts. We used to camp in comfort on the, on the, yeah, all right the there time, on the board. like, yep. every yeah. other month. Like, we pretty much, like, had this property, so, like, in Boy Scouts, like, if we couldn't find another place, we would go to Comfort, you know? Yeah. So I camped at Comfort like four or five times a year, every year with Boy Scouts and on the river. And so I have a lot of love for it up there. It's beautiful. A lot of cypress trees. It is. You know, oh, man. It's, it's just, yeah. Uh, and the water recently has been great. I mean, I haven't caught many bass the last few weeks I've been out. And I've been trying to go at least once a week. Cool. Which, you know, I'm trying to keep that throughout the summer, too. Um the last couple of weeks, bass have kind of died down, but I'm still catching the panfish. And yeah. and right now, top water, like I brought out the other teacher I work with, and um, we did the same thing. We fish, uh, you know, like mayfly, not mayfly patterns, um, like Rio Gator type stuff, yeah. you know, on the way up. And then I always tie on like a popper or, or a grasshopper or something and then fish that one the way back. And man. Yeah. Panfish are just like slamming the. Oh, dude, I've been fishing a lot of poppers. They right are. Now. They're just going crazy for them, man. It's oh, so much fun. Yeah, a lot of top water, you know, which is great. It's great for beginners, you know. It's fun. Say. And exactly, the guy I brought, he, he's only been fly fishing three times, all three with me. And this last time, he was like, oh, man. Yeah. Like catching them on top water, that was so much fun. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I get clients too that are like, they just want to, they're like, I don't care if we don't even catch that many fish. I still just want to see them come up. Yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah. you're my kind of person, dude. Let's exactly. do it. Let's it's just fun to watch. Co- co- <laughs> commit to it. Let's do it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Put it, put it on right from the get go. Yeah. Let's do it. Now, some about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, even you know, we were having a lot of dry, you know, dry, dry rivers and low water, but there's still some good fishing this time of the year. You know, it's been been pretty well. We're, you know, we're kind of having some little like little fronts blowing in like these last couple of days. That's kind of yeah. keeping the temperatures from getting like too crazy. Yeah. Yet. Especially like in the morning too. It's been, Oh, it's, it's been, been like, good. It's been beautiful. In yeah, the morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you're on seven o'clock off before 11, 1130, like you could honestly you can't ask for better days. No, it's been good. I think, uh, and we're still getting to the right now where like it cools down at night. It's not like 85 through the night, you know? So yeah, first thing in the morning, it's like really cool. Yeah. It's it like in the good. like low seventies. A couple of times I went out, it was like, in the 60s yeah. still. And I yeah, it like, still Ooh. feels pretty yeah. good. And but the river and the, the fish are feeling it. They're still on like kind of that spring mode of like staying up top. And yeah, yeah. it's been good. It's hammering it. Yeah. The second that fly hits, they're just like smashing it. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's just so climbing and fishing is what I did all week. And I watched the new Top Gun, which is good as well. There you go. Yeah. So and Stranger Things. But. Any, uh, any grilling? 
any grilling. Yeah. Uh, nope, I remember I said I made the instant pot carnitas. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so. I uh, went to my brother's graduation. And let me tell you guys about this graduation. Yeah, I've been yeah. itching to tell you guys a story. So what happened? So, my brother goes to a small school. 20 people graduating. Like myself, I went to a small school. 20? Yeah, 20. I graduated in a class of 13. How many did you graduate with? Um, I went to Madison High School, which is now 6A. Oh, so you probably did like 400 or 500? Yeah, if not more. Yeah, mine was 440. Yeah. yeah. My graduating class. So, small school graduation, our tops for the graduation. I told my wife that going in. It's uh-huh. going to be an hour. Uh-huh. It was not an hour. Hmm. 30 minutes? Oh, no, 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 no. Other no. way? Other way. <laughs> oh, God. We didn't leave till 10.30. And what time did it start? 7. No. Yes. That's longer than text graduations. Yes. <laughs> so let me tell you guys. So we drove up there. We took the travel trailer, and we camped near my mom's place, and we hung out with them during, through the weekend. But anyway, so we go to the graduation. Tell my wife because we had just been to a tech graduation, and it took like four or five hours of them just like reading names off. Yeah, you just want to leave. You just want to leave. I was like, nice thing about small school graduation. It's a little bit more personal because it's a small school. But it also is going to go by quick, so this is going to be great. And so we go, and, man, it was just, like, horrible. What did they do for three and a half hours? Okay. So there were two side two people. One person passed out. Wasn't a graduate. Wait. But, like, a bystander. Passed out? Passed out. They had to call the ambulance. No, 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 no. This was a 10-minute, like, Occurrence. Okay. It did not account for the three and a half hours. <laughs> and another guy went to take a smoke break because I guess it was taking so long. <laughs> the 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. The whole graduation uh-huh. in general. And he tripped on a curb. And so the ambulance that was there had to seek care to that person as well. <laughs> well, I'm glad the ambulance was there. But that was like a five minute deterrence. Uh-huh. Okay. So we're like talking about only 15 minutes out of three of this, and a half hours. Out of three and a half hours. So, um, the big problem was they ran everyone across the stage two times. Why? The first time, what? they ran everyone across the stage and announced every single scholarship that that student had been mm. awarded. Oh, man. I bet there was a couple of kids who you were sad for. And then they also like said what they were going to be doing in the future. Like well, they their said future, it. Their future plans after okay. high school. So Kind of weird. Um, and then that's, they did well, scholarship yeah. announcements as well. So they had like... I couldn't imagine doing fam- that at my graduation. Families and... Uh, you know, uh, organizations in the community like, oh, we're lording this scholarship to this person. So they did scholarship announcements. Okay, cool. Well, there's two salutatorians. So there's two salutatorian speeches. One was really good, and one was very self-centered. <laughs> then we get <laughs> to the valedictorian speech, which was one of the worst speeches I've ever heard because it was very much like, F y'all. I'm out. Oh, really? Yes, type speech. So and it was not, the worst? I, feel, I would have enjoyed that. Like, if it was No, it was just like, it was weird because not only that, she reminded, she won state as a freshman and a junior. Okay. In tennis. Okay. Sophomore year was COVID. They didn't have the tournament or the season or something. And then senior year, she lost the final to someone else. But she reminded you every other sentence that she went to state that she won state in tennis. And then at one point she threw in the, I decided not to play tennis at the collegiate level. And we're like, what kind of crap? Who do you think you are? And then at one point she's like. But this like, is like a 1A high school. This is a 1A high school. Yeah. And 
Uh, so everybody knows her name anyways. And They're like, oh, did you hear about Susie? She's going to give the speech on Saturday. And then she was basically like, I'm never going to see any of y'all again, except for these two people that called out the two people. She's like, these people are my friends, but the rest of y'all, I'm never... I've never with, I'm only, like, with only like twenty people graduating. With only like twenty people graduating. She's like that's dirty. She basically said like, peace out, screw y'all. Um, like two I like. And then I don't even remember my value. She she threw she threw out the she went to like a larger school before and then transferred to Slidell. So she threw out the I wasn't getting the experience. So I came to this school and I was like, Girl, you came to this school because you could win valedictorian here. Yeah. Yeah, what was your GPA? I, I don't know. You can be state champion. Yeah. It's 1A. <laughs> yeah. Like, what would you go get like three? Like my, my charter school used to play 2A schools <laughs> and kick some butt. So, yeah, 1A. <laughs> yeah. 1A plays like six-man football. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't hate, man. I played six-man. <laughs> um, and so, like, I was just kind of like, me and McKenna were, like, looking at each other like, this is the weird. Like, you're supposed to, like, give encouragement to your fellow yeah. graduates and, like, Make this really good speech, and we're like, "This was really weird." She so didn't take then, any notes from Taylor Swift. So <laughs> then, <laughs> her so, speech is pretty good, actually. So then they do class memories, and two students go up there from the class, and they do class memories from kindergarten all the way this through like senior my, year this for like everyone. Night. Oh no no no! The Just class the memories were their memories. But didn't include anyone else in the class. It Wait. was like these two people, their memories. This sounds like my nightmare. It sounds awful. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> and then on top of that, there was a guy and a girl that were giving the class memories. And the girl, it was like she hadn't even read what she was supposed to read before speaking. And so at one point she goes, is it infamous? Or infamous? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, did you not like? And she was like, was this barely a joke that she didn't get through? Or no, no, it no. Was like very clearly wrong. It was very clearly like this was the first time she was reading this document. Mm-hmm. I'm like, obviously the other guy wrote it because he was speaking very well, mm-hmm. and he wrote it, and they're supposed to present together, but she never even read it or like did a walkthrough of it. Just phoning it in. So after that, then they run everyone through for the graduation, which. Instead of like, let's line kind of stand everybody up and line them up and like go across, it was like, we're going to call this person, they're going to stand up, walk to the stage, they're going to come around, sit down, and then we're going to call the next person to go up. We're like, wait, uh, what? Like uh, one at a time? Yeah, one at a single one at a time. They were like, okay, they got everyone through, it's over. But no, wait, there's more. They did this, and now for the slide L tradition of the lighting of the sparkler. So they lined all the graduates up. Are and you they inside? Each no, no, out. It was an outside graduation. Oh, oh, that's, oh, so it's hot too. It it was, it actually. I commented on the weather. The weather was pretty nice up there. Okay. It was like it, that would have been over the top if it was like a hundred degrees. Yeah. So they line everyone up, hand them. They each get their own sparkler, and they light them individually. And while they're doing that, over the loudspeakers, they're playing that person's favorite inspirational quote. And they're like all the cheesiest, dumbest inspirational quotes that you know of. Because nobody gives a shit about quotes. No, no one gives no one gives a crap. And they're all like they're holding these sparklers, and because it's, and I'm like, okay, the sparkler thing is over. In my mind, I'm like, this thing has to be over. And then and then they're like, turn your attention to the football field for the fireworks show. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? If it ends with fireworks, I might redeem the whole night. It didn't end with fireworks oh, though. God, no. <laughs> so. 
they turn like it was a pretty decent fireworks show. Okay. But I'm thinking, okay, the fireworks show is over, but no, now we're gonna do the hat toss, which okay, now it's over, but no. <laughs> now we have the benediction. And the guy that at the gave end. at the end at the end. Yeah, doesn't that happen some per like No, they opened and then they did a close. Yeah, but doesn't that happen before they Two prayers. The Two prayers. Opening prayer, closing prayer. Is really public school? To, public school. They're really oh, trying okay. to stretch this thing out. They are. So uh my school didn't have And the guy <laughs> the guy that was giving the benediction, he was the salutatorian that gave actually a good speech and he is like read the room. He's like, I can tell you guys are ready to get out of here. Let's let's wrap this up. There so you go. he like closed it out quickly and then you gotta stand around and take pictures and oh and they handed out roses. So every student? Every student. Well, it's only 20 students, so it's like. But they all did it at the same time. So they're like, go grab your roses. And then they gave, their students gave a rose to like all the women in their life that were basically there. Our school did that. And I would say that that's the one thing. I, I used to cry two times a year during the school year. And it's because we did two graduations. They, do the, they did that rose ceremony. Yeah. Gave all the seniors a couple of roses, and they're supposed to give them to someone that helped them get to that point. So it wasn't just like women, whatever. It was also very much a popularity contest for all the teachers. Oh, of yeah. Who got the most roses? Yeah. So when I walked out of there, the you know damn bouquet, I'm oh, all yeah, like, yeah, yeah. step it up, guys. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I also, kids don't even I like also you. forgot. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? We did the same thing during teacher appreciation. I, I had a stack this big. I was like, what are you going to say about this? <laughs> I also forgot to mention the slideshow. Which they did a twenty-minute slideshow. This sounds like so like we with did the this worst with, music high schoolers could pick. Well, like right? Green Day's, like what was it, "Time of Your Life" or whatever it's called. I mean, closing time. Yeah, <sighs> you know those are all the popular ones. I forgot all, to mention the slideshow, which Jeez, they man. were having malfunctions. A slideshow doesn't need to be at a graduation. It needs to be at like your specific club's party. They could have cut the slideshow out, and they could have cut the sparkler thing out and they could have run everyone across the stage once and they could have given them their diploma and said these are the scholarships this guy won and or this is where in, he's going to school. Or put that in like the playbill. Yeah. Oh yeah. The brochure or whatever you call it. Yeah no that's a good idea. Or maybe not shame kids by calling out a bunch of accomplishments Exactly because like if you don't do it then like you're going to feel like shit yeah. you know. Yeah. And it may not mean anything bad it might be where like you got this like plumber's plumber apprenticeship lined up, and you're gonna like. Well, half of them had welders. Uh, no, no kidding. Half of them had welders apprenticeships. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But I remember like our high school did a whole scholarship, and I remember like one student in particular. I feel like that person stood there forever as they named like every scholarship. It was like and the Coca Cola scholarship. And the left-handed scholarship, <laughs> and the glass-wearing American Society scholarship, and uh, um, I live in Texas, but not quite in Austin or San Antonio, just slightly outskirt of it, of Loop Four Ten, and this neighborhood scholarship, and also <laughs> the you know whatever neighborhood scholarship, and the you know, and I was like, oh, let's go, man. Yeah. You know, I like, do, I do want to give my brother a shout out. He did well in scholarship, but he won a scholarship. Uh, where they're giving him so much a semester or something. I don't know how much it is, but he also won a trip, a t like a 10-day trip to Washington, D.C., awesome. where they get to go do all the sightseeing stuff. Oh, that's cool. He submitted an essay as an extra thing, um, and his essay was selected out of all of the essays submitted. He gets to lay the wreath on the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier oh, wow. when they're at Arlington cool. Cemetery. Oh, yeah. that's really neat. And he gets to, like, tour the barracks and stuff where that's those cool. soldiers. That's really cool. And so... When I went to I went to Washington D.C. in eighth grade, 
um, on a school trip, and Tomb of the Unknown Soldier was my favorite part of the whole trip, so I'm super proud of him yeah. and happy for him. So, Aaron, if you're listening, great job, man. Yeah. Good job. Yep. And I wish sorry that your graduation I could, sucked so bad. Yeah, sorry <laughs> your graduation sucked. But, <laughs> but good job on yeah, going to DC. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so great job, Aaron. Yeah. And then we hung out for the weekend with family and stuff like that. We did a uh, we took the tra- travel trailer, obviously. We did a fajita cookout, and all the family came to our trailer. And so I cooked fajitas on the Blackstone, and they were fantastic. And uh, we saw Top Gun. I went to play Top Golf with my brothers. Nice. And just had a great time, man. It was a great Where, weekend. Where's this school at? Slidell, north of Decatur. Okay. Which is slightly north of Fort Worth. I've actually been to Decatur for a uh, tractor mechanics competition. Ooh. Tra- it's like you're doing tractor pools? No. I was, that's probably uh, the place for it, honestly. Yeah, that's like if you're going to, yeah, that's Decatur, Texas. Definitely yeah. was, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they intentionally break tractors and you got to fix them? Pretty much. So yeah. it's uh, it's a uh, FFA Okay. Competition. So I went to Madison High School. So there was an FFA. Yeah, there's the FFA yeah, program. School. Um, I went to Longs Creek Elementary for a while. Oh like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I would have fed into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I know a kid who did the tractor, you know, comp- competitions. He got a scholarship from John Deere where they paid yep. for him to go to mechanic school, and then they offered him it was a guaranteed job when he graduated, making like ninety grand. A oh, year. I don't doubt it. No, I don't. I don't yeah, know at all. So we got some uh, offers like that, and. Um, yeah, it was funny because I just got into it because uh, our school used to have a auto tech program, right? And it was such a cool thing because like it's only it was only for so- for uh, juniors and seniors. Yeah. And I remember like as a freshman sophomore, I used to see like the auto tech guys out there, and I was like super into that stuff growing up. I had like a Jeep that I was like building to like a rock crawler in high school. Like my first car was that, you know. Um, so I already kind of hung out with some of the kids that were in auto tech and stuff like that. And I used to like hang out in the shop after school and like you know. And so my junior year. They got rid of it. And like what I was so stoked about it is that their big project for auto tech is that they would build the teacher had a, a like a 72 Nova Super Sport. Uh-huh. And so every year for like the project, the kids would build the motor for it. Like, he would take it apart each year. Each year. And they would have to, like, rebuild the motor, like, try to get as much horsepower out of it, blah, blah. And then he would run it at the drag strip Uh as, like, a school outing. The the drag strip on 35? Uh, On on I-10. On I-10, yeah, yeah, yeah. At Marion there. Yeah, I think it's closed down now. No, it's still running. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went out there with my dad. My dad used to (laughs) drag out there. And so, so, yeah, I thought it was so cool that, like, the bragging rights was, like, being the class that had the fastest time. Yeah, that's so cool. So that was like my plan. Yeah. And then come my junior year, the school went like all in for FFA of like, we got to like be the FFA school. Yeah. So they got rid of auto tech and they brought in ag mechanics. Which was that same kind of similar. Thing. Yeah. But instead yeah. of like working on cars, we're working on like tractors. Yeah. You know? And so, but we still like learn how to weld, learn how to all that stuff. And like, so learn yeah. the engine and everything. Well my, well, my dad owned a car lot. So I've been like working on cars since yeah. I was young, you know? Um, but yeah, we used to go to the rodeo. So the tractor mechanics team was we used to go to the rodeos and they'll have like five tractors out there. And it was literally like the San Antonio rodeo, like in between yeah. like the events, you know, they were like, all right, next up is the tractor mechanics competition. Yeah. And they would literally have like five Kubota tractors, brand new ones. And they would do, you know, I think it was like three or five things to it to keep it from starting. Uh-huh. And you um, had to figure and you out. You had to figure out what was wrong. So you had like a checklist of things you'd work through. Exactly. To, and you got points docked if you like guessed. 
So you literally had to troubleshoot it. Right. You so had like to you like, had like, okay, it's most likely this. So we're going to try this first. Yeah. Then this. Test the then fuel this. pressure. Okay. It's a fuel sending unit because I can test it. You know, you had to prove that what it was you diagnosed actually, it. Yeah. yeah. It couldn't be just like you just check a bunch of fuses and you find one that's bad. You had yeah. to like yeah. check the wiring and know that the fuse is bad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was so cool. I, and it was a cool experience because I got to travel and do a lot of the smaller competitions like in places like Decatur. And then we did the San Antonio Rodeo, the Houston Rodeo, the Dallas Rodeo, and we ended up fourth in the state, you know? So that's we, awesome. Dang. We did pretty well, man. And it was like a funny thing because like I always thought it was funny that like since my dad, first off, we grew up in Brazil where like you fix everything, you know, like yeah. you, don't, you don't. You just don't replace it. By yeah, you don't replace your value. You fix it, you know? So I grew up where like even though my dad had money to, you know, maybe buy a new one, he still fixed things, you right. know? And then when we moved to the United States, you know, my dad started selling cars and he would like work on the cars himself. I would help him. So I was like doing brakes and oil changes at like 13, 14 years old. I remember like driving standard cars from the auction back to the car lot with my dad at like 14, you uh-huh. know, and he's like, all right, just stay really close to me and just follow me, you know, yeah. and like, um, <laughs> and so like, it was funny. So when I joined his tractor mechanics team, it was all these like these like country kids, right? You know, like country kids, little belt buckles. And I'm a, you know, I'm a rancher, you know, and like none of them were like, they all lived like, you know, I lived in the Northeast side of San Antonio. They all lived in like Long's Creek and stuff. Like, you know, maybe they had like a, like a deer lease with like their family and they'll go out there every once in a while. None of them were ranchers, you know? And so it's funny that like I joined this class and like, I was actually like playing basketball. I was like a basketball athlete and things like that. And here I am in this class, all these like country kids. And like, I'm the only one who knows how to weld. Yeah. I'm the only one that actually knows how to work on a car. I'm the only one that like fixed up my own car. Like my dad didn't buy it for me, you know? Like, so it was like really funny that like, they actually like really needed me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Out of all these other kids. It was cool, dude. Like it's such a cool program for anyone that doesn't know. Like if you go to San Antonio rodeo, Houston rodeo, whatever, like, uh, aside from the main arena, all that other stuff is all youth, you know, like all the animals, all the projects, all the trailers, showing yeah. artwork, yeah, everything. I mean, it's all I've youth. A few kids, pie so baking yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like chicken judging, you yeah. know. And also, it's, it's meat judging. Yeah, meat like. judging, and it's like a huge fundraiser for those kids. You know, a lot of people don't realize it. You know, so it's cool. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. Really so a lot of people don't realize it. And I know there's like some negativity around rodeos with like, you know, whatever the animals, but I think ultimately like it's a huge thing for kids, it's a huge thing for youth. you know, just promotes a lot. I was super, uh, you know, blessed that I got to like have that opportunity growing up and like, you know, I have nothing like bad to say about like FFA and like ag. And it was like such a cool experience. And to do it like, you know, in Northeast San Antonio, pretty much in like very urban setting. Because I know? think that's the only school that offers FFA in Northeast, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And I think so the next closest FFA school is Judson. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so yeah, it's kind of a unique thing where like a lot of people think it's outdated and stuff like that. No, it's a, I mean. It's huge, man. My, my school FFA was like integral. Yeah. I mean, everyone took yeah, FFA. Yeah, part of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See, like, I did welding. I got my hunter's. Uh, certification yeah. in FFA. Yeah. But no, and Ma- I Madison's the only, I mean, it's the only, because I remember when I went there and I went to Driscoll and I was like thinking, you know, because I told you guys my dad lived in Bernie. So I was like, oh, like we have goats out there. So like it's just half a step to do FFA when I go to Madison. Yeah. You know, and then. No, it's a cool program, way. man. Plus, I mean, like I said, it's like those whole thing I've always like preached to my students about like the trades and like, 
you know, things like that. There's like a lot of money. I mean, you talk about $90,000 paychecks as a welder out of high school. I mean, that's a very real thing, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. So not, of, not to mention, like, it teaches kids so much. Like, for sure, dude. Not only, like, caring for something other than yourself, but also, like, when they actually get to the road, you yeah. know, like, how to, like, uh, like communicate and yeah. kind of, like, market a little bit. Market yourself, you yeah. know? And so it's, I don't know. Yeah. Neat. Experience. Yeah, I funny. wish every school offered. No, it's great, and 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 I think, and honestly, I think uh, like working on cars, things like that, it's great problem solving skills. Yeah. You know, you're learning a lot of problem solving skills. Great program, really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's how I know Decatur, Texas. Cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, so uh, Cassio, what did you do this weekend? Uh, Memorial weekend. Um, surprisingly, people booked trips. Man, I always think I like bet, yeah, you should. It's funny because one one person didn't even know it was Memorial weekend, and they're like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have booked this trip <laughs> like on Memorial weekend." Uh, but it wasn't too bad, man. We like, um, you know. So I I worked Saturday and I worked Sunday. But you took do you take yesterday off, or if like a client called you, I guess it depends on the client. Or so yesterday I was off. I okay. just happened to be off. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, but I, if somebody called you, you you would have worked yesterday. Dude, I take all the trips. Yeah, yeah I, I rarely say no to trips. Yeah. You know the way I do it is like if ahead of time. I'm pretty well booked for the next month that allows me the privilege of like not taking a trip. Right. Cause you're like, I know I'm good. I'm, I'm set good. for I'm so set many for days. This month. Yeah. So I know I can take a day here but, and there, you know, coming into the summertime right now, you know, it slows down in Texas. People are going to other places to go fishing and things like that. So sense. right now we're in the, like, I'll, I'll take whatever. So would some, you consider that for I, a lot of guides do that? Is that something that's on your radar is going somewhere else and guiding for the summer? You know, so I, I, I've thought about it. It was a, it was a very much a real thing prior. So my wife at that time um, had a different job and things like that. You know, now with what she does now, because um, she's in cosmetology, she got her own clients and things like that. It probably wouldn't. It'd work. be tough to gotcha. go somewhere else. Yeah, for she two she would literally be out of work for those two months. months that were gone, or she would have to stay here and I'll I'll be gone. And if you leave and then come back, she might lose her clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, yeah, she's she's a manic. You know, she does manicures. It's a thing that they're gonna go to somewhere else, right? You know? like they gotta get it done. So. Yeah. So I thought about it. Um, I had a friend recently talk to me about possibly like going up and like guiding in Colorado. You know, he's got some opportunities next summer. Um, if I can stay in Texas, I would like to do that. You know, so this is kind of the first summer. Um, last summer I was still getting a teacher paycheck through the summer. This is gonna be my first summer to see like how slow does it really get. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it also is like, you know, taking advantage of the busier months and like stacking up some cash and, and saving. And kind of like living and, on that. Yeah. The next preparing, preparing. That's interesting. I never, because the weather's always so nice. I'm always like, oh, people are outside constantly. But yeah, people take trips during the summer. And people are out during the summer. It gets really hot too. We try to discourage like full day trips. Yeah. Um, come summertime, it's like really hard to like. Yeah, because even bass at two o'clock. It turns off, man. Yeah. I, you know, I, I tell people all the time like, I was like, you want to do a full day trip? Like, are you in town for more than one day? Let's do two mornings. You yeah. know, like that's, that's might be better. Yeah. Um, so it does slow down a little bit. So I've thought about it, um, you know, going out West and things like that. So there's some opportunities there. So after this summer, we'll see like how right. it goes. Gauge and, it yeah. And kind of see what you need you to know, do. there's, there's an opportunity there. Um, but, but the coast picks up this time of year. The coast does. Yeah. You know, so I, in the future, you know, that could be a possibility too, right. you know? So if I can start, um, you know, if, if the plan is to stay in Texas, then guiding on the coast is just what I'm going to have to do. Like on a business standpoint, yeah. that's just, just what, what you, I'm, I'm going to have, have to, to do. do. Yeah. Um, there's just, I don't think there's enough for me to guide, um, 
you know, warm water and then maybe trout during the winter. Like I'll probably have to dabble into that. Um, and we'll see where I'm at at that point. If it's something where I want to go like full out and like move farther down towards the coast and like just do that or like split my time and go back and forth, you know, yeah. I really enjoy bass fishing. I, 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 I really do enjoy showing people our rivers and our wild fish it and, and chasing There's something special about it. Yeah. And chasing Guadalupe bass. And, and it's really cool, man. I get, you know, I just had a client, um, just, uh, on Sunday, that's like a guide in Wyoming came down and he's like, I want to go bass fishing in Texas, you know? And I, that's awesome, man. That's cool to have people that like a, a realize that we do have something special. And I think that like a lot of Texans don't even realize that. Yeah. Um, you were talking about sunfish earlier and how much you like enjoy catching sunfish. I always have that argument of like people catch a sunfish here and like, eh, whatever, you know, as a perch. You know, whatever. They're all the same. <laughs> that's a perch. You know? It's not even a perch. Yeah, yeah. It's not even a perch, right? You're like, oh, okay, that's a bluegill. You know, like, to them, it's just, like, not what we want to catch. But I'm thinking, like, that same person will go to Colorado and catch a brookie and go, wow, such a cool fish and so unique and such cool colors. And I'm like, well, dude, a long-eared sunfish is gorgeous. Yeah. When you look, yeah, when you actually stop and break down what a sunfish looks like with the. And they're so different, man. Each yeah. one you catch is completely different. So different. So I can float down the San Marcos River, you know, and, and catch four or five different species of them, you yeah. know, and, and I each think, one prettier than the last. Like for it. sure. And I think, like, the people that appreciate it really appreciate it. And I think, like, um, people like get into fly fishing, I think they start having more of that appreciation for it, you know, because yeah. you're able to target different species a little bit better and more specifically. You know, and it's just fun getting out there, being in, like being in the water, catching anything. Like yeah. I don't care what is on the other end of my line. I mean, I'm not, I don't target catfish. I don't like dealing with, them. <laughs> but anything else, like, man, I don't care what it is. I'm oh, just out there having a good time. Yeah, dude, I catch a bunch of gar. <laughs> <laughs> I, love yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah, you know, it's a good time. So, Cassio, you ha you bought a skiff. Tell us about that. Yeah, and what it is and what <laughs> you built. You. You built, I mean, like, you didn't physically build so, it, but you pieced it yeah, together. Yeah, so I want to give, like, some props to uh, buddy Matt Dobry. Um, he's got a cool Instagram if you're into, like, skiff building and gi news and stuff like that. Matt Dobry's got a uh, cool Instagram where he's always, like, building cool stuff. But uh, so Matt had this boat that he found in Louisiana. It's a 93 Claycraft Marsh Runner. Um, it was built in Louisiana, in um, Lake Charles, Louisiana, by a guy named Clay something. So that's why they're called Clay Crafts. Um, and it's funny because, like, he built them for a little while, and they're very much styled after, like, a lot of the boats that were kind of built in, were getting built in Florida in the 80s and 90s. It was, like, very much, like, micro skiff and, like, you know. Um, he built it for a few years, and then the dude ended up passing away. So not a lot of them got built. And then, like, in the 2000s, his sons brought him back, and they built a few of them. So there's a few, like, 2000 models, like, running around out there. Um, but they're kind of hard to find. There's not a lot of them. But it's a – Are they regarded as a good boat? I don't think there's even enough of them for people to even know what they are. Gotcha. Really? Like, Matt put up, a uh, like, a thread on Skiff. When he was like restoring it, and a lot of people like had no idea what it was. And it's called a Claycraft. Claycraft Marsh Runner. Like if you Google it right now, probably the only thing that's going to pop up it's literally Matt's boat that he sold to me. Mm. However, if you look at the lines of this boat, it's extremely similar to the old Pathfinders 
um, and also the old salt marsh. Like it's got like a little angled bow and everything. Yeah, but it's, it's a nice looking boat. It's a it's a seventeen and a half foot boat. Um, so yeah, that's like an eighteen footer or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that photo below that blue one. Yeah, this one right here. That's the that's my boat. I bought that. That's how I bought it from Matt. Had a tower, like this. had a tower, and that's it. Okay, um, so no outboard or anything. Else. Nothing. Yeah, okay. no motor, no nothing. So I bought this boat from him. It's awesome, dude. It's a it's a seventeen and a half foot boat. Um, it's about three hundred pounds. Like it's super light. Um, I'm running it with a. So I bought it and I pretty much kind of did the like Matt redid the floors on it, redid the deck, and kind of redid all the fiberglass stuff. Um, which is great because I don't have a lot of experience in that. So, like, he took care of all the fiberglassing, redoing the floors, like, redoing the runners and everything else. So, he gave me a solid hole again. Right. So, you had a, you had a good starting point. Yeah, it's almost like I bought a, a basic hole from right. somewhere. Um, it's a tunnel hole. So, it's got a small tunnel on it. It's 17 foot long. It's a fairly narrow bow, but it's still fairly stable. Um, total open plan. It doesn't have gunnels. Sorry, it doesn't have a deck on it. Okay, so even in the front or the back. So it has, sorry, it has decks. It doesn't have a, a cap on it. Okay. So it doesn't have, I'm trying to think what it's called, where you that, can walk around. Yeah, yeah, that, that rim um, on the sides. Yeah, gunnels, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what it's called. So anyways, so it's just like open. However, dude, it's totally dry. I, I, no water gets in it. No water splashes in it. It crosses the bay fine. And with a 25 horse after tinkering it, which is fun. I've had a, done a lot of research, and I love like, one of the things I've always loved about fly fishing, such I'm like a gear person. I've liked tinkering with stuff. So this boat was a super fun project to like learn about setting up an outboard, learn about, you know, motor height and, and trim and, and jack plates and props. And I, you know, mess with the props and everything else. And like I said, Ag Mechanics helped me out. I bought this motor for cheap that was barely running. I rebuilt the carburetors, got it running right. Nice. Um, and it's a Yamaha 25 which is like the Toyota Corolla of outboard engines. <laughs> it's going to be solid Dude, for miles. I'm telling you, man. There's like videos on YouTube. There's one guy that, that like restores them, and he literally takes one, runs it around like in Florida, and then he literally like pulls up to this island and literally like unbolts it and like drops it into the ocean and then like pulls it up from the ocean and then takes it on the island and then like f- digs it under the sand uh-huh. and then takes it out and then throws it in the ocean again. And then he literally like takes the carburetors out, shakes out the sand, takes out the spark plugs, runs the engine, gets the water out, and starts it, and then, like, takes it home. So if you're looking to build a boat, those little Yamaha two-strokes, the older two-strokes, uh-huh. the two-stroke Yamaha 25s are about as simple as it can get, yeah. super reliable. Um, and I'm getting, like, you know, the, a 25 horse, I'm cruising it at, like, 25 miles an hour, I got 28 miles an hour the other day with like two people in a boat and a cooler. So and you're still moving pretty well. So it's it's pushing, dude. Yeah. And the way I see it is, this boat is running. Um, I got it really that motor really high up in that tunnel. Like I'm getting on plane in like 10, 12 inches of like 10, 12 inches of water. I'm taking off. I'm yeah. getting on plane. And then once it's going, since the mo- since it brings the boat up, once I'm running, that boat will run in like inches of water really like to where like if you're running and you slow down like the motor hits like like the motor hits the sand like yeah. it, like you're you're because it, it drops a little yeah bit. it drops it Just goes on plane enough. yeah yeah so it runs super skinny it pulls um so it'll pull 
and however tall a beer can is. So whatever it is, five inches or something yeah, so. like that. Because I didn't have anything to measure, and I was like, man, man, we're running really skinny. I stuck a beer can, and it's like the depth of the beer can. It's so like four or five inches. And you're so still running. It'll like, pull. Oh, nice. So it pulls in like four or five inches. It'll run in like 10, you know, whatever. Um, it gets up pretty easily. pulls really nice. And the cool thing about it is I got this thing in the water having fun for under 10 grand. Oh, yeah. Like trailer, motor, registered in my name, ready to go. You can't beat that. Can't beat that, dude. And here's the thing. Like, the joke's always been that, like, I call it, like, the shit you know? Because, <laughs> like, you know, uh, I, and nothing, I would love to own a, a chit I would love to. You know, if, if, if chit listening to this podcast and they want to sponsor me, I would love <laughs> one of those new Challenger 18s that you just came out with. I would love one of those boats. I, that, I think it's awesome. I just can't afford one, dude. Yeah. And I think most people cannot afford one. And now with the the way because of like delay in the skiff market, for you to get a new Hell's Bay would take you six months to a year. At least, yeah. So that means that a slightly used Hell's Bay is selling for more than new, which means a more used one is selling for one that's almost new. So the prices right now of skiffs is like through the Crazy. roof. Boats yeah. are just through the roof because you can't get them. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, my thing is like, I, I don't think it doesn't take a lot of money. You know, I, I know that like, you know, a boat is already a, a total luxury, but I think there's a lot of people out there that think you need to spend a lot of money to get on the water, whatever that might mean. So I always told people like, dude, get a Walmart kayak. It's still going to take you to the same places. It'll get you there. Yeah. It'll get you there. Are there better kayaks? Sure. But dude, go take another one. I've always been really adamant about people like, starting somewhere where they're like focusing on their skills and things like that. I get people all the time that have never been fly fishing. They show up with like a Scott rod and an able reel. And they're like, Oh, I'm from Houston to Gordian sons. And I bought this. I've never been fly fishing before. Like, first off I'm jealous. Cause I, that'd be awesome. If I can just walk in and, <laughs> and buy, just buy that. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. been a couple thousand dollars. But my thing too is like that rod is super fast. You're beginning to cast. You could possibly purchase a Ferrari and you can drive a Ferrari, you know, and like any of us here can probably go drive a Ferrari, but none of us here can drive a Ferrari to the point where it was intended to be driven. Right. You know, especially as your first car as your first car. Right. So it's silly. So that's the same way I feel about boats or fly rods, like they're tools. And like, if you haven't learned how to properly use it, buying a really, really nice one is not going to give you more opportunities at fish or take you places that you, you know, and so I, I'm really at a place where, like, I got this boat to learn the coast. Yeah. So I want to be able to take this boat and, like, get it stuck and run it into oysters. And not care. And get it, like, squeeze it through mangroves and beach it and whatever and not care. And then remember and go, okay, when I have a nice boat, don't go here. Avoid <laughs> this in low tide, you know? And I yeah. think that a lot of people don't do that. And they buy really nice boats, and they're scared to use them. Yeah. And they're, like, timid about using them, and they never really learn how to really run that boat. So my goal right now is to to take this little boat and just, like, you know, just beat it into the ground and just learn the coasts as much as I can and spend more time down there. I've, I didn't grow up with the privilege of being able to, like, own a boat or my parents own boats or have friends that own boats. So, like, this is my opportunity now. You know, I wish I could have learned to coast earlier. You know, I wish my parents grew up knowing how to fly fish and owning skiffs where I could like learn that as a kid, but I didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. So now like 
I'm doing what I can, dude. I bought a cheap little boat. Now I'm going to get out there. Just do whatever you can. Like you said, but also it makes you appreciate if the day comes where you can. For sure. Great. Yeah, like, 100%, oh, yeah. man, you know. And like I said, if if down the line um, it becomes something like, you know, business-wise where I decide to start looking into um, getting my captain's license and spending time down there guiding you know, then it becomes an expense where, like, I'm just going to have to buy a new boat and have a boat payment. Right. And just and, have that part of it. And that's but just part of the business. Right now, you're just trying to trying to make it through. I'm just having fun, man. I tell my clients all the time because they're asking me, like, oh, you got him down there. And I'm like, this is actually the one place I get to go and just have and just fun fish. Right. You know, so if I'm at the coast, I'm just getting to have fun. So I'll be out there this Friday, this Saturday. Landon said he's going to be down there, you know. Yeah, so. maybe we need to hook up. Yeah. You can be out there. You mean in Corpus? Corpus. Where are you going to be at? Uh, I'll probably hang out in your Rockport area. Okay. You know, maybe venture off. But I'll probably, like, as far as staying the night, I'll probably be, like, in Rockport somewhere. Um, do you know uh, Do you know Steve Ramirez? He's been a podcast guest a couple times. He wrote, he wrote Casting Forward. Oh, yeah. Uh, Casting Onward. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm going to be down there fishing with him maybe for dinner one night. We could nice, all hook up. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about going Friday and because uh, the wind is pretty low on Friday. It's been pretty relentless. I like to hear that because I haven't I've looked. I've heard the wind has been off. Yeah, I talked to William. <sighs> relentless. You know William Townsend. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think he's part of all water yeah, he works. He, yeah, he picks up trips for him. Um, yeah, he said the wind has been absolutely horrible. Relentless. But he's been still getting out and catching fish. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and that's what I think what you got to do, man. Uh, especially as those guides down there. You know, I think like if you are a Texas guide and you're not willing to go try to catch redfish when it's windy you're probably never gonna you're never gonna catch it yeah because you'll 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 wait and i and i I think that's and that's where i i say like i got a long ways to go because like the the ability of those dudes down there to go hey man it's overcast it's windy no one wants to come out and fish today but hey you're telling me you're here for just today and you want to go still and i'm going to help you get on fish yeah and um you know the ocean is a, is a is you know the ocean is pretty cruel, <laughs> so I think uh, you know it's going to be quite a while before I really you know feel comfortable as far as like just because the respect I have for those dudes out there that do it, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean the skiff's been a, a big thing, man. It's always something I've always like ever since I started fly fishing. I was like, dude, that's that's what I want, man. That's when I just want to own a skiff, you know, like. Even from early on, man, like I grew up on the coast in Brazil. So like I've always been like a salty person. I've always liked the ocean. I've always liked salt water. Um, so the idea of like finally having my own boat. And I, my buddy Kai had a skiff. He moved to Florida. So we used to go out on his skiff, you know, every once in a while. So I got experience like pulling a boat and things like that with him. Um, but now like being able to own my own boat, I mean, like it's just kind of like, you know, still like surreal. Even though it's like an a boat that's like almost as old as I am, you know, the, you know, I love it, dude. It's such a cool little boat. It's unique. Would you take it out on any of the lakes, like Bronick Lake? Yeah, I, I took, I went to Calaveras, um, catch some of those redfish. (laughs) I went to Calaveras a couple weeks ago just to like run a new prop. Um, and then I kind of messed around and like pulled around to see if my wife can catch a bass out there. Um, it doesn't have a trolling motor. I'm pretty much like dedicated to like, is it shallow enough to pull out there? On the edges, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you can, you know, pull around a little bit. Is out it there. Calaveras that has the uh, power plant? Both of them do. Both of them do. Okay. Yeah, they're both power plant lakes. Um, honestly, I would go to like living in San Antonio. For anyone who lives in San Antonio, 
Um, I would honestly go to Calaveras and Brawny like way more often for all sorts of things. Either to like mess around and like fish there or even just like go run, run my boat and hang yeah. out. But it's like, if you have a boat, they charge you a boat fee and then they charge like per person. So if I take my boat out there and me and my wife go, it ends up costing like almost $30. How much is it for the boat? Because mm. I want to say it's like $18 for the boat and then it's like $6 per person after that. So I mean like, Dang. It's expensive. Like, yeah. they sell a season pass type thing, but I'm like. But still at that point. I'm like, dude, y'all are really proud of this lake because it's not, <laughs> not that much to look at. I mean, I guess they have to because otherwise if they didn't, then, like, a million people would go out there. But but why not? It's just a, I it's mean, just a lake. But Well, it's a, it's a power plant, like, cooling lake. It's not even like it's, like, a natural lake, you know? like. But, um, yeah, I go there every once in a while, and uh, – I ran in on Canyon Lake, you know, that long ago, and just messing around. But it doesn't have a trolling motor, so it's kind of weird to bass fish off of it without a trolling motor. Yeah. You know, I thought about putting one on there, but then I'm like, nah, it's like a dedicated skiff. I'm trying to buy a jet boat by the end of the year. That's like the next And that purchase. would be the one that you, you put You get on. a Hog Island? Um, I don't know, man. I've run, I've, I've waited enough to where I've run both. Um, I'm not completely sold on the Hog Islands. So I think. What's, lo- what's your, what's your leading option then? Um, like a flat bottom John boat, like a like a weld built or yeah. a sea arc, like a sixteen foot square front flat bottom, so you can have a deck in the front and the back. Oh, something that doesn't break the bank. Yeah, they're cheap. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Hog Island's five grand. Yeah, for the whole and that weld built's like it's about the same price, honestly. Yeah. Um, but the the Hog Islands they're heavier, um, where the weld builds like will run a lot shallower and a little bit faster. The Hog Islands, the biggest perk is they're kind of bulletproof. Like, you can hit stuff, whatever. Like, that's what they're really good for. They're a cool platform, you know, as far as it goes. But they're really heavy. You know, they're made just like a Yeti cooler, so they're heavy. Yeah. Right. You know. But they're, like, they're they're built tough, but. Yeah, exactly. With built that tough. comes a couple of yeah. things. It's called a hog, um, hog Island. Hog yeah. Island. That's yeah. what a lot of guys run. A lot of people run. Alvin runs one. Lene runs run. Uh, Dylan's got one. A lot of folks are running them. Um, but there's also a lot of post people running John boats. Um, I've fished out of Bonner's John boat a lot and it's, it, it definitely is faster and runs shallower than a hog Island does. Um, but I think it's preference. I think if I get a good deal on a hog Island, I'll, I'll get that too. Yeah. But it's kind of like whatever you can. Yeah. But a jet boat is definitely like the next purchase. Cause I, I, I would like to fish. It'll Col- open up your opportunities. Uh, yeah. Cause I like to fish Colorado more and then and also- you could get on like bass drop. Well, I can get on some of the lakes around here. So you could do Canyon. You could do Colorado. Yeah. Or, and also, like, living in San Antonio, I can shoot down to, like, the lower, lower quad. Like, where it really opens like, up. S- like, past Seguin, getting yeah. to, like, Gonzalez, Victoria area, stuff like that. It'd be, yeah. It would be cool to fish over a, there. Uh, yeah. A big boat. Go chase, boat. like, Alligator Gar and stuff like that. Yeah. It'd be cool, you know. So, yeah, that's, like, the next purchase. Um, so then I'll have, like, the raft. I'll have a jet boat. I'll keep running this skiff and eventually upgrade it. And then, where do you store all your boats? Um, in my house because I live on the south side and I can do whatever. Yeah, it's great, dude. They're all like parked in my driveway. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like covered. They, you know, yeah. But I store them all at home. So I think I am. I literally move one. I move my fence so I can get like more driveway space. Recently, so uh-huh. now like everything's parked in the driveway. But it's like, I feel like it's like I'm playing that old that game that's like that traffic jam game oh yeah move the the, the cars like three yeah because it's like it's an oldest i live in an old historic home downtown so it's like one single long driveway and then there's like a little like detached garage in the back Uh 
So I just have like a one single long driveway. So you're you're playing Tetris, dude. All so out. like it, like for example, like on Friday when I decided to take the skiff out, it's like I got to move my wife's car and my car out, and then like move the raft out, and then move the skiff out, and then move the raft back in, and move my my wife's car, and then the skiff back in, and I can back my truck in to hook and up. And then take it. Yeah, in. yeah. It's an ordeal, but it's still better than like having a storage unit yeah. and having to go like wake up early, go get the boat out of the storage unit. Yeah, you know um plus i'm always working on something on the bill but yeah i keep them all in my house so far we're hoping to buy a house um sooner than later Are you guys renting right now yeah we're renting a house downtown um Are you guys gonna stay in the downtown area we would like to or at least stay within loop 410 okay yeah I'm, i've always been a big fan of like living close to downtown san antonio you guys like more like north side or we're like south of downtown okay south yeah. downtown yeah 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 we're looking at homes we're just kind of Looking all over. Yeah, we're all over the place. But I like to say Loop 410. Like, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool areas over there. Yeah. There's a lot more stuff to do. We don't have kids, so we're not worried about, like, school districts. And that's where we're at, too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, so it's easy that way. Yep. But the skip's been fun, man. It's been, like, a super fun project. Um, and like I said, a, a big encouragement for anyone out there. Like, if you want to, like, go bass fishing and get more into it, like, buy a cheap John boat and, like, put a little tiny motor on it and go mess around you know like um i got a buddy of mine that fishes out of like one of those new canoes with like a little like two horsepower like honda on there and he goes everywhere in that yeah. thing dude you know care. like he, you know yeah, yeah. it's a little yeah so i just think like there's also there's all these like ideas of like i gotta spend a bunch of money or like boating's expensive and don't get me wrong i'm mechanically inclined so i can work on a lot of stuff myself but there's some cheap boats out there you can get into like you know, a hog island, you can do the coast and, you know, other things with. But you can get a cheap little boat or a little kayak or just go on foot, dude. Go go wade the – a lot of people, like, don't go to the coast because they think you need a boat. And go go wade. Yeah. Go walk, yeah. you know. like That's um, what we did last time we went together. We had a great time. We both time. got fish. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, like, my biggest encouragement when I talk to people about fishing. Like, you know, go have experiences. You know, like instead of like spending a bunch of money, you know, like if you're telling me like you're thinking about buying a rod, whatever, like, you know, if you're gonna spend a bunch of money because you want to buy a rod this summer to go to Colorado, maybe fish for like a few days while you're up there. Well, maybe take that money and just hire a guide while you're up there and like do a float trip and like have a really cool experience. And enjoy that time when you're up there. If you yeah, don't really enjoy it. Um, so I'm always encouraging people to like, you know, fly fishing is whatever you make it. You can make it really expensive and really unattainable, or you can make it really simple and get out there and have fun, you know, and I, and I choose the latter. You know? Yeah, especially so. if you start simple, you know, and then if, find what you like and then add to it. Yeah, no, 100%, man. So, so Cassie, let's talk about your time on the Devils because you spent like a month on the Devils. Yeah, we spent... You're living like a lot of people's dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to guide out there. So we were on the Devils with all water guides from uh, pretty much like most of April. Um, I did three trips out there with clients. Um, and it was really cool. We kind of have like a lodge experience. So we clients were like staying on a ranch. Oh, cool. Um, and then like, and then like we were fishing this like, you know, somewhat not necessarily private, but like it's, it's not where most people are going to end up. So it, we pretty much have the water to ourselves. Um, and it's such a cool experience because, you know, there's really nothing like the devil's river. I mean, just, the, just being out there in the desert. I mean, you know, and, and you can be, you know, 50 yards away from that river, dying of thirst, and never know it's there. I mean, like, it's just like, you, you don't even see it, you know, like, you're, you you drive past it, you don't even notice it until you're on it, you know. Um, 
and it's just beautiful and and the place where we were at it was like there was such little like traffic through that area as far as like people going through the river that even the animals acted different like you're on the water deer will come down and drink water as you're passing by fishing raccoons will sit there and like clean their little crawfish on the side of the river and like don't they don't scare off you know they're almost looking at you like you're really out of place you know and they're staring at you going like what are you doing here you know um but it was great great smallmouth fishing great largemouth um the cool thing out there is since those fish don't get a lot of pressure we're throwing like big poppers big mice pattern and just watching these fish just like hammer flies yeah and if you've never caught a big smallmouth man a three pound smallmouth will fight harder than just about any large mouth like most people have ever hooked i mean pound for pound they're hard fighting fish like for us texans here and that's why i love guiding for guadalupe bass i always tell them like dude you catch a good guadalupe bass like it's gonna fight way harder i was saying like a good a good guad will fight fight hard. hard so you know they're in that same family as more of the small mouth so like those small mouths man they hammer flies um there's different tactics for them too as far as like getting to them you know um, a lot of crawfish and big poppers and stuff like that. But it was a really cool experience to be out there. We had great clients. And it was kind of cool, too, to fish with people, like, more than one day in a row. So that's kind of a fun thing, too, where yeah. you can, like, work with them. And, like, hey, tomorrow, like, we worked on this. Let's like, about this. Yeah. Let's, let's get a little bit better. But most of the people that were on that trip um, have a, had fishing experience. Um, yeah, I imagine the devil's in your first. Yeah, well, there was you. still, like, out of every group, it was a group of six six folks and out of every group there's always like one person in the group that was like thrown into it didn't know a lot yeah it's it. like oh I, I, yeah, yeah i'll, I'll go into this. Yeah. yeah but for the most part it was people that could fish um but it was a lot of fun man and it was just gorgeous you're seeing like all dads like up on the cliffs you're seeing like wild goats um you know we were seeing like all sorts of cool wildlife out there you know so yeah it was a really cool experience um and it, you know, just like, you know, like I said, it's a testament to like the Devil's River Conservancy that, you know, to protect that place, you know, it's one of the, like the last wild river in Texas, the last river in Texas is not dammed from like the beginning to the end. That's the last one. Someone wants to correct me on that on your, on when your listeners want to find another river, but I'm pretty sure that's it, you know, so it's a special one and needs to be protected. And, um, you know, the only reason that we were, were fishing where we were is because that landowner wanted to open it up to people because she felt that if people didn't experience it it was going to be hard for her to talk people into wanting to like protect keep it, it. Yeah. yeah so that's what she wanted to do show it to other people that's so aware of everything that's going on yeah with it yeah mean, that's because that's not the sentiment you hear of from most landowners. people who are yeah most people area. it's mine 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 yes. only mine but also that whole mine 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 mentality out there in the devil's almost got the water rights of the devil sold actually to San Antonio. Yeah. You know, yeah, because like they're gonna they're gonna like pump they're gonna that water here. Plumb right? it here, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, that that my 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 mentality can be a little dangerous too, because some people my my mind is they're thinking just profit and I don't care about the river itself. Yeah. They're like, I don't use the river. It's just so, something yeah. that I own, you know. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that mentality of let me share with other people, let me show how beautiful it is, let me show you why you need to protect it. I think that's huge. Um, so yeah, we had a great experience out there. So I was on the devils pretty much all through, um, you know, all through, uh, through April and, um, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Really good. Looking forward to going back to next year. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that sounds great. Yeah. It was fun. You know, it's just also like I got to sleep in 
Because honestly, like everywhere else I guide, I got to get up really early and drive somewhere. So the fact that I got to like wake up and like just drive down to the river, like down the road. What's sleeping in for you? So those trips, like, you know, we were still trying to get on the water like really early, like 6.30, 7 o'clock. Yeah, 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 that's what I figured. But what I'm saying is like we were getting up like 30 minutes prior to that. Yeah, you're getting up at 6, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not 4. Yeah, yeah, we're like, you know, here I'm getting up at 4 to drive an hour and things like yeah. that. So it was kind of cool. And like I said, you know, calling it a day and not having to drive all the way home, you know. So it's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, it's being like like right to there. me, like I, I tell, you know, I'm, I always tell my clients, like, I'm probably having more fun than you. <laughs> you know, like, I'm enjoying myself yeah. out here, you know. So those trips, I truly enjoy myself. I was, I was, and how long are the clients out for? Uh, they, they fish for three days. So okay. they're there four days, you know. I mean, we, we snuck in some, like, guide fishing time in there, too, you yeah. know. So we, yeah. we, we had our we own fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, you got to, you know, you got to do some scouting, you know. Yeah. So we got to do some fishing on our own. So that was really cool. And, um, you know, so I, I'm really looking forward to going back, you know. So I've done some, like, the – I floated like, you know, Baker's down, you know, and that's like a whole nother experience, you know, but just being out there is really cool. Just like being on the desert and water's there. That's awesome. Great. Really cool, man. I mean, for people that haven't experienced it, um, I highly recommend it. Even doing the whole like camping trip or even right now, you know, a lot of people don't realize there's the two natural areas there. You can just camp out on the devils for the, you know, and just like be next to the river and paddle up and down. You don't have to do the the multi three day trip, whatever, you know? So there are some options to get down there. Um, and from San Antonio for the San Antonio listeners, it's like a two hour drive to Del Rio, you know, or whatever it is, you know, like, um, so it's a short drive. So it's not like a, you know, you're not driving to Colorado or something like that. You can do it. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, anyone that, and, and I encourage, cause like I said, it's not something I'm like, don't go there. I'm the only one person that should go there. I want people to go there because if they go there, they realize like, okay, this is what the Devil's River Conservancy is trying to conserve. This is why it's important. This is why we should preserve it. So I think more people that experience it in the right way, the more um, people are willing to fight yeah, for more it. More people are willing to fight for it. For sure. hundred percent. Cassio, how was your trip to Belize? Cause I'm going there in a month. I'll be there in a month. Like I was saying, it was like I, f- I kept following on Instagram, and I felt like you were there forever. Yeah. And I was just like super jealous. No, I'll, like, I'll, man. So we were in Belize. So we were in Belize. Um, let's see when we went there. We were in Belize in June. Yeah, in June, uh, which was a very memorable trip. Um, so the, the, the best catch of the trip um, is, is my now wife. Oh. You know? So we got engaged yeah. down there. Um, which I, I knew that was going to happen when I talked to you guys last time uh-huh. I was about to go on that trip. I didn't want to say anything. And I didn't say anything. Cause I'm like, I'm not sure. Appropriately. When, so. Well, also like if it maybe didn't happen and my wife listens, you know, whatever. So I was like, I can't say anything, but that was the plan all along was to go down there. Um, fishing was a little bit tough. I, I, I like hooked on and, and jumped the tarpon or two, you know, but honestly, man, after fishing like Florida more recently with like higher, like me having a little higher skill level and like having more experience. Um, I don't know if I'm that stoked to like go back to Belize for the fishing. Really? Um, now my wife loves Belize. She loves going to Key Cocker. She loves how easy it is. Like a two hours, it's like a couple hour flights from Houston. So, so we'll probably go back. But as far as like one of my buddies wants to go fishing somewhere really cool, it probably won't it's be not like, But it's like, if you go there, you'll probably fish a little bit. I will bit. fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For but sure. it's my, also not like top of your list. Like, yeah. ooh, I got to go back to fish. Yeah. But my, great little family or taking your wife or something. My description of Belize, and I want to see if you agree with this description, is that 
it's not the best place to catch a bonefish, a tarpon, or a permit, mm-hmm. but it's one of the best places to go and catch all three. Yeah. So when I think of permit fishing, I think of Mexico. When I think yeah, of tarpon yeah. fishing, I think of Florida. Sure. When I think of bonefish, I think of the Bahamas. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to go for those, if you want to tarpon fish, go to go Florida. Florida. Yeah. But if you want to be able to go and catch a grand slam, yeah, I feel like Belize is the place provides you yeah. that opportunity. I agree with you, man. I think I think I had shots at all three. Um, now I think, like, now granted, I was staying like in Key Cocker, which is just south of like San Pedro. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people stay in San Pedro. That's where we're. That's where I'm going. Yeah, and I think um, I think in those two areas, like a lot of those fish just get a lot of pressure, ton of pressure. Um, we're fly fishing, but y'all forget that like we're one of the other 99 that are going to go conventional bait fish. So those permit are being tossed like live crabs all the time. There's all, and first off, it's the first time I saw them doing like the balloon fishing where it's like a giant bobber. What is balloon fishing? Do they literally use a balloon uh-huh. as a bobber, like giant balloon, uh-huh. and they let it like drift in the current with like a crab underneath it. Like a live crab. A live crab, like for the permit and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That. So it's like, what's, what's going to beat that? Yeah, it's like bobber fishing at that point. So yeah. they just let it, they just leave it out there, and just, then the guys just sit in the boat and drink beer until the balloon starts taking off. You know, and I'm like, okay. Um, so I think there's a lot of pressure on those fish. Um, so it makes it like a, a very difficult, op- you know, fishing. I, fishing. I think so. I, and and this is like from one of the local guides there that I went with. He goes, he goes, he said, I think a lot of these guides take people where they know they're going to see permit knowing that they're never going to be able to catch them. But at that point, it's on the angler, not the guide. So then it becomes like, oh, well, you didn't cast close yeah, or yeah. far, and they're hard to catch, but they know they're not going to be able to catch them. And it's not because of, like, permit or hard to catch. It's because they know these fish are so pressured that they know where they're at. It takes luck almost to get it. Yeah, they know where they're at, but they know, like, you're probably not going to fool yeah. one of these fish, you know. They get caught all the time. Like, the guide I use get catches them here and there. Um, but I think, like, there's – Probably like if I don't know, like if you're diehard like I want to go like you said permit fishing or whatever one of those specific species there's definitely places to go, to go do that yeah um, but at, at the same time um, we totally enjoy our time in Belize yeah. like this is our th- that was our second trip and I'm one of those people that like I rarely travel to the same place twice like we've gone there twice you know yeah. and we stay with the same Airbnb people we stay on the same island and we loved it we caught a ton of bonefish my wife caught bonefish my wife jumped a tarpon i mean like we, we had a great time the first time we went my she caught a 90 pound tarpon on like a life on like live bait um so it's great man i think uh you know also finding the right guy down there is also a big deal um i highly encourage to fish with locals um I don't care about that so much in the United States. Like, if you're not really from Florida, like, I don't need to go with someone that was born in Florida to make me feel good about, like, fishing with them. Right. However, in Belize, it's more of an economical thing. Right. Those people are, that's their livelihood. Exactly. And, like, you fishing with that local dude, that means that, like, their daughter is going to be the first person in that family to, like, go to college. Yeah. You fish with a dude that, like, moved from Montana to, like. Well, I don't think you can in Belize. That's not, I think you have to be, well, technically you have to be part of the Commonwealth. To be a guide in Belize. So you either have to be from Belize. There's some guys from Canada that guide because Canada was traditionally part gotcha. of so the that's Commonwealth. Gotcha. So that's how, like, Will Flack is guiding. That's how Will Flack, because he's a Canada guy. Gotcha. But I don't think an American 
can guide there. Well, That's the guy who, no, the, the the lodge in, um, I mean, he might have become a citizen at this point, but the lodge in Key Cocker, uh, the Three Amigos Lodge or Three Pescado, whatever it is called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Haywood, I think is the guy's name. He's he's from Houston. Is he? Yeah. So, but anyways, so that's the one that's co-owned by that one guy, by Will Flack. No, so sorry, Will Flack has that. There's so there's sorry, Will's is like the three amigos or three pesca yeah. or whatever. There's another lodge in Key Cocker, and that guy's from Houston. Gotcha. Now, regardless of them, man, my my big thing is like when you go to these places where you know, these few locals figure it out that there's money to be made in guiding. I can like feed my family yeah. doing it. I think it's a big deal, man. I, I, you know, like I said, in the United States, whatever, it's fair game. We have a lot of freedom here. Like if you want to be a guide somewhere, whatever, like right. to me, yeah. like you growing up in a Texas coast or not, does not different to me how good of a guide you can be in the Texas coast. Right. Um, but I think in those places, I think it's more of an economical thing where like, I think, the right thing to do is to like look for a local guide. Yeah, I, I I I'm really big on that, and I, and a lot of the local guides will tell you, um, that their experience with those other dudes coming in were not pleasant. Where a lot of like, take me to all your spots, and then like a couple months later, like they're I'm out fishing their spots, or like they own a lodge, mm. and. Or like, or they they're hiring these dudes and not paying them. They're paying them like, hey, this is good enough for you. You're from Belize, but they're still charging the five, six hundred, seven hundred dollars. Right, and they're pocketing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, and don't get me wrong, man. If you don't go, do go do your thing, go make money. But I, I think as you know, as consumers of it, I think it's something to keep in mind. If people are traveling to like the Bahamas, Belize, whatever, Brazil, you know, do your best to try to look into like. Am I bringing money to this community that's going to help this community yeah. out? I think, yeah. that's, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've only ever fished with Belize. I've spent a lot of days fishing with guides in Belize. I've only ever fished with the Belize yeah. guide. Yeah, yeah. I know that, uh, I know you've gone to El Pesco, though. I know they hire yeah. a lot of the locals, dudes. They only hire locals. Yeah. I and mean, they're all, it's all generational. Like, I've been there when, like, the grandfather, the father, yeah. and the grandson are all guiding. Are all guiding. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And it's it's really yeah, cool. And that's awesome. And that's a life changing thing for those families. Yeah. You know, so I think that's huge, man. Like, you know, find those local dudes um in those places. I think it's a huge deal. Um, you know, and I love to go back, man. I you know, I I, I probably won't go back to Belize, you know, real soon. I want to go to Mexico soon. Um, but in in so I went to Belize, that was during the summer, September. I was fishing in the Everglades and we fished for Redfish, snook. Um, we ran across a tarpon or two. Um, and that was a super fun experience, which got me totally hooked on the Everglades. You know, like, I've, I've like, gone to, like, key, the Keys, and I've fished in Belize. And, like, that clear water is beautiful and it's gorgeous. And, like, the whole, like, oh, here comes that tarpon and get ready, you know, try to cross some. That's awesome. But, man... Fishing in the Everglades and that tannic water where these like monsters just appear out of nowhere and like the shots are all like super quick and like you know you got a split second and like I, it's such an intense like fishery in the Everglades and just feels so wild that like I want to go back 
there. Right. You yeah. know, and, and honestly, I had, granted, I had, you know, uh, uh, you know, a phenomenal guide, uh, Jeff Legutke, down in the Everglades, who's got like so much history down there. Super awesome guide, super great coach. Um, so huge testament to him. But in one day of tarpon fishing with him in, in, in the Everglades, and it was kind of early in the season. The fish were just making their way in. But one day, I had more shots than it would have been five Belize trips combined in one day. Yeah. Now, they were not easy shots. You know, they were tough. But, man, we were seeing fish. and The and, opportunity and was Opportunities there. were there. Yeah. Um, and they're big fish. And they're smart. And they're spooky. And it takes, like, all you got, man. I, I'm I'm telling you, like at my level, I felt I was at the bare minimum of what was needed to catch a tarpon in the Everglades. Yeah. So what are you doing to prepare for next time? Um, catching a lot of redfish. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, I think a lot of it didn't come down to uh, necessarily my skills. It was but it was it was my ability to like stay calm. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And 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 treat that like a cast I've made a, a bunch of times before, because yeah. you have, you know, it's like okay, cool, it's like sixty feet or whatever, and like laid in there, but all of a sudden you're staring at like a possible like fish of a lifetime, you know, like dude, that's a hundred plus pound tarpon, yeah, you the know? biggest fish you might ever catch, dude. I mean, my uh, my buddy Kai, he's gonna hate to have me tell everybody this, but we were we had got a bunch of shots and everything. Yeah, I was having a great day. Uh, the previous day, I finally landed one. That was the first time I actually, like, put my hands on a big one, um, which is probably, like, pushing, like, 80, 85 pounds or something like that. I've jumped a few big ones. I've landed a couple small ones. But that was my first, like, I caught a tarpon, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the next day, my buddy Kai, you know, he didn't land one the first day. The second day, he hooks one in the morning, fights it for a while, loses it. Later on in the day... And I've wildest thing, man. Like I said, only in the Everglades you're gonna see this because in the Everglades the tarpon come in to rest. They're not cruising like in the Keys or Belize. Like in the Keys and Belize, like if I'm sure that's how you fish in Belize, you stake out. You you throw an anchor and you wait, and like they're gonna come through yeah. here. Yeah, they've in the like the little pods, right? Yeah, in like schools. These are like individual giant tarpons that are making their way around florida they go into the everglades to rest so they don't they're not in there to eat they're not in there feeding you got a fool of fish now a like a a, a tarpon 80 to 100 pounds is already a like a 15 20 year old fish you know like that that fish like seen some things already. right it's not it's not dumb thing. yeah it's it also doesn't need to eat very much it eats big meals and it's whatever so now these fish are in there resting. So the best way to describe it is like someone who's like halfway asleep on the couch and you kind of like dangle a french fry in front of their face just long enough for them to not wake up and like get weirded out that you're like trying to like put a french fry in, your, yeah. in their mouth. But like halfway asleep, like go ahead and like eat it. <laughs> that's fooling a tarpon just a just close yeah. enough for like so eh, okay so literally anything one way or another 
the fish wakes up and it's done. It's done. It's and over. they don't get scared, dude. They literally just like float down. Yeah. So Kai had a shot at a fish that was probably close to 150 pounds. We saw this fish like chasing a lady fish, and we saw this like tarpon like jumping through the air. So we saw this thing. Yeah. And we come around this cove, and we see on the very back end of the cove, we see a tail, just like a redfish. And I thought it was a redfish. And he goes, there's that tarpon. And I was like, that's a tarpon? And he's, and he's like, yeah, see the tail? I'm like, they tail? Like, that's a thing? Yeah. You know, and he's like, yeah, that's him. He's just laid up there. We probably got, man, dude, we, I think Kai made a cast from like here to that pillar, you know, maybe 20 feet or something like that. But it's one of those things where like, that's a shot that I know my buddy can make. And I've seen him make like, millions of time right. i've trout fish with him i've gone red fishing with them easy shot dude but dude you're up there and you're shaking you know you're shaking <laughs> and you know down. that anything less than perfect it's over it's over yeah because if you have to make a second cast they'll spook if you line them they'll spook too far away they'll spook too close to them they'll spook let it sink too much they'll spook so it's like, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be a, like, he kept telling me, it's like about the size of a basketball, slightly in front of them and slightly above their head because their eyes look up. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond that, it's not happening. And the coolest thing is most of the shots were not laid up fish. That's like, that's the easy ones. It was fish that would come up and they'll roll. So they'll come up for air or something and they'll roll and they'll go immediately back down. So you're literally watching all around you. You're looking, you're looking, and then one would roll and go back down. And immediately, it's like that meme of that lady doing all the math problems, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's literally like immediately that fish rolls. And now I'm thinking, okay, he rolled. He's moving right to left. He rolled. So he's going to the left. Now, he rolled pretty slow, so I don't expect him to go that far. And then you kind of wait for him to release bubbles. Mm -hmm. He just came up to take a breath. So then he releases bubbles. Now, the bubbles are five feet away from where he rolled. So now you know he's moving at that speed. Right. You have to calculate that. And then you have to lead where you think he's going to be. So you're not seeing the fish. Dude, whenever I see these, like, shots from Yeti or whatever of, like, tarpon fishing in the Keys now, and I go, dude, that looks easy. (laughs) If I could see the fish, dude, that's easy. But, like, in the Everglades, man, you need your total A game. Yeah. Because you get a split second to see that fish roll and to figure out where he might be ending up. And then try to get there. And, um, dude, I'm telling you, dude, Captain Jeff Legutke is a ninja, dude, because he goes, like, He's like, okay, pick it up a little more left, two feet to the left, tick, tick, tick. There he is. You know, like yeah. just on him and just on his game. And he's been doing it for so long, which is like such a like inspirational thing. Cause I fish with guys that go, dude, you've done this so many times. I can tell you're burned out. Yeah. Which is fine, dude. It's cool. I get it. You know, it's a job, whatever. You're burnt out. I'm not one of your regulars. You're not going to put in all this effort, whatever. Maybe if I come two, three more times, maybe you're going to try a little harder or whatever. And, and it's whatever. That's with any job when you have someone that's done it for 20-plus years. Dude, I felt like Jeff was, like, taking us out as if, like, he didn't help us. He If he didn't put us on fish, like, he was never going to be able to guide again type yeah. thing. Like, it was such a cool experience to have someone that 
And there's like that whole persona of like, kind of like Florida guys and saltwater guys being like drill sergeants. And like, you know, this experience was like a coach. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. someone that was very much like, we have the same goal. I'm going to help you get there. And you knew the way to get you to do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There's a little bit of like picking on you and, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes with yeah, it. Yeah, whatever. But, but also his goal isn't to put you down. Yeah. It's to help you actually. Yeah, but it's there. very yeah. much like, here's like, hey, let's stop. Hold on. This is what we need to do. Let's look your casting. You know, like very much. I learned so much, man. And that's why I always tell people when they, go, you know, hire a guide, your job is to learn as much as you can. You know, you can always go fishing. You can always go catch more fish. But you may not have the opportunity to learn as much as you can from someone that's got experience in that specific area or that specific species or whatever. And he's one, he's one of those guys that like, you know, guide of guides, dude. I mean, we're, you know, and, and I know a lot of guys that have gone to him too already. Um, so it's just an awesome experience, man. So it was a really, really fun trip, you know? So anyone out there that's looking for something different, man, fishing the Everglades, um, Jeff, for example, will not take you tarpon fishing first. So you got to like go with them, go during the off season yeah. to go chase other. Now there's res, there's residential tarpons all the time. Right. But if you're trying to book them for like the 120 days of tarpon season, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has to know like who you are and blah, yeah, blah, to, to like, make sure. Exactly. Like, and he's probably booking those days. No problem. Anyway. Yeah. He's booking them way ahead anyways, yeah. you know, so it's not a big deal, but yeah, we fished with them in September and yeah, after two days, he's like, "All right, boys, y'all made the team, so let me know." <laughs> you know, like, let me I was know like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> um, and I can't wait to go back. I was supposed to go back there this weekend, um, but we had some like other things coming up, and I didn't get a chance to. So hopefully, uh, in the fall, I might go back. But definitely next tarpon season, I'm yeah. there, dude. I'm yeah. now. I was trying to break that hundred pound mark. You know, yeah. like I, I'm addicted, dude. Salt water just got me, got me bad. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Cassio, man, thanks for coming on with us. This was great. I'm glad I got to sit in it. I'm glad I got to be here this time. Yeah, me too. Because I missed out last time. Yeah, definitely. I was real sad when I was listening to the podcast. I was like, those guys had fun. And it's better being in the inside, in the AC, rather than the hot garage. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a vibe. It's definitely a vibe. <laughs> yeah. And hey, you know what? Enough blends. You don't care. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. No, it was great, man. It was kind of like, I was, it was fun to get out here with you guys again. Cause like I said, it was exactly a year, man. You know, so yeah. well, we'll do it again. And maybe this time we don't have to wait a year. Yeah. 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 For sure. shoot, like dude, it's 11 15. You guys got here at seven. We've only been recording for an hour and 40 minutes, but we've just been talking about just chatting. Yeah. Oh, at yeah, one point we we're just talking. We're like, this is really good for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we should just hit record. Yeah. Well, um, y'all brought up some fishing on the San Marcos. I know Zach's never done it. I would love to go fishing. I've been on San the San Marcos one time. Yeah, let's but do it. But we should man. all three go out. Let's go. We'll bring the video. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Equipment. Yeah. And we'll go get after it. Yeah, man. We just got to find a day that. It's been fun. Yeah. Plus, I rarely fish with people from San Antonio. So that kind of opens up some opportunities because usually I'm always like, okay, you're coming from Austin. Okay, this is about halfway between the two of us. No, now we can. Uh, but with us, yeah, we got some little opportunities here and there. But the San Marcos, you know, um, you know, we're in a drought. So the San Marcos is fishing the best of any river yeah. right now. Uh, it's super low. It's historically low. Yeah. Um, I saw more big bass today, like four or five pound bass today than I've seen in San Marcos like ever really but it's just because the water's so low and clear you can see them all they can see you too though yeah that's the thing going to the guar i think that's the big issue with catching the bass is that you're seeing everything like you said they're seeing you too but yeah Yeah. guys let me know let's take y'all out got some free time coming up cassio if uh someone wants to book a trip with you what's the best way to do so yeah um probably the easiest way is to reach out to all water guides 
Um, I'm on the water, you know, several days out of the week. So if you try to reach me, you probably won't be able to. Um, I do have websites, CassioSilvaFlyFishing.com. Um, in that website, you can get to my Instagram and everything else. We so. will post that link a in website. the description. Yeah. But, as, but as far as booking a trip, even if you go through my website, it'll still link you to the All Water Guides website. So just go to All Water Oh, man, Guides. it's just so much easier because you can call them. They'll answer the phone. They'll answer emails right away. And they can request you. And, and you can just request me. And they have my schedule. So even if I'm on the water, they can they know what days I'm available and what I'm not. No they can what. still book me. Yeah. Awesome. So if you got a last minute, you know, I'm in town or whatever, like, hey, I didn't think about this. I take trips last minute. Um, and we, and we fish year around, you know, that's a big thing with Texas, like where a lot of people get snowed in or whatever. I mean, we got some great bass fishing year round. Um, the San Marcos river, it's always 67 degrees or so. So we fish it year round. So there's some great opportunities out there. Um, and great opportunities, like I said, to chase wild native Texas mm-hmm. fish, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, as a fly anglers out there, I think the, the goal is to like, see what's in your backyard and see what your state has to offer. You know, trout, trout's cool, but let the states that have trout have trout and be cool. You yeah. know, like, you know, we have a lot of cool stuff here in Texas that a lot of trout guides and trout anglers are jealous that we get to throw big streamers and big poppers to bass. Oh, yeah. I'll go, I'll go talk to people in Tennessee and Colorado who's like, oh, I want to go to Texas and catch some quads. Yeah. You know? And we're two hours from the coast in San Antonio. So, I mean, like, how many states can you do that in? You know, go bass fishing, go trout fishing, yeah. go same day red fishing on the same day. Uh, y'all talked about that before. I'll be down and like trying to make that happen. I think during trout season, maybe, maybe we do that. I think it's totally doable. The true Texas Grand Slam. You I know? think it's <laughs> totally doable. That would make a great video too, and then a great, and then at the end of the day, we sit down and we record yeah. a podcast. I think that's you would have to start on the coast. Oh, you think you start on the coast? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's an early morning. Get it done. Knock the red out, and then go. You don't. Your bass. You don't think like. Because I think the, the other ones are You have to all, go down there, spend the night, wake up early, yeah, catch a fish. and start in the morning. I, I think that's the way to go. Because I think that's the way to go because I think the other ones are almost like a given. So, like, you can show up in Guadalupe, like, right before nightfall and still catch a trout. And you can probably go find a, you know, a, a bass somewhere. Yeah, you can catch a quad. You know. Yeah. But, um, but the redfish is not the given. Yeah, so I think that's the early morning one. Try get to get done it done as soon as possible, and then book let's it. do it. Let's, let's do it for it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I'm one hundred percent down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be dope. But we got to do it. What like uh, October, November? Be, so like I would say, yeah, I would well, say after they put some fish in the river because yeah. the drought this year is probably gonna. Yeah, I would say like that first after that first stocking, try to make it happen. Yeah. November or so. Like yeah. it's still warm. It's still good. So red trout. Bass. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. It's probably calendar. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> be I'm down. The Texas challenge. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Sounds great. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Cassio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go to the description below where you can find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord server. Please send your podcast questions to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will see you again next week.